Welcome to weekday worship. I always feel weird saying that because that's Caleb's job. And when he's not here for a recording, I'm the one who does it. And I don't feel like I do. He's so calm and like, you know, even keel with it. And I get all excited. Anyway, uh, so I'm here. Uh, Caleb is not here. I am doing a special podcast interview. We have a couple people in the room. One of them is Rachel Furnish. That's me. Yep. So we have Rachel Furnish here for an interview, and Scotty is in the room, and uh, he's not welcome to the conversation, though. So he's (laughs) listening in, and maybe he'll have a thought later on that he'll introduce, but I didn't want anybody thinking like, you know, he's... I didn't want you to be here and have people not know it. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Thanks, James. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> uh, so uh, what we're doing today um, is, and we're going to do a few of these actually in the coming weeks and months, is some more interviews of of uh, people uh, related to our church who are part of our, our uh, belong to some of our mission partners and everything. And Rachel is in a unique uh, situation there. You have just been a part of our church for uh, the last, how long? I think two, three years. Has it been? Okay. I think... Yeah. I'm pretty sure... COVID time is obviously yeah, a little Yeah, COVID throws off. everything off. I think yeah. it's probably two years. Okay. Yeah, so Rachel's been here for a couple of years, um, and she is leaving in the next uh, in the coming weeks to go to Bangkok, Thailand. And so what we wanted to do was um, uh, just spend some time talking with her about uh, the lead-up to this, some of the formative things that have led to mm-hmm. this, just get to know you a little yeah. better, because a lot of our people don't really know you, because for one of the two years you've been part of our church was COVID. And, yep. um, and so maybe there are people who don't know a whole lot about your story, so I thought maybe you could give us the, the fast version of that, Okay. and then we'll yeah. get to hear some about uh, what God has done to lead you into this new venture um, that we're excited to try to support you in. So um, before we do that, uh, before we get cracking on the actual personal stuff, I just, I did want to make sure, like, you're on one of the fastest growing podcasts uh, in the world right now. And that's got to be, feels like a big deal, right? Yeah. I think I've listened to like five podcast episodes in my life. Not uh, of weekday worship. No, they weren't. <laughs> you haven't even listened to the week. You haven't even listened to the podcast for now. Don't on. worry, I'll listen to this episode. This is terrible. You're gonna listen to your own interview, but you haven't listened to Caleb and me. This is offensive. Uh, I do. Is it is it too late to cut this? Um, well, he, I just need you to understand. I've just never been a podcast person. Yeah. Like my ideal self listens to podcasts, but I'm not her. So you. So. <laughs> You wish you were the kind of person who listened to podcasts. I do. People who listen to podcasts and people who do podcasts, obviously, always seem like really smart, put together people. We are. Yeah. That's what I've gathered. <laughs> we're, we're very smart and very put together. And we want you to know that, which is why we have a podcast. Exactly. So that you can listen to us. Being like all put together uh, and everything. Yeah. So what five episodes... Would that have been um, of like one podcast? Uh, yeah, so I'm going to be real honest here. Oh Some of my friends in grad school started a podcast called Talk Green to Me about sustainability. Uh-huh. And I have not only listened to their episodes, but I have also made my students listen to their episodes oh, okay. for classwork. But only five of them. Yeah, like, yeah. So it wasn't that good, obviously. Um, well, they only have like 10 episodes. <laughs> They're all really good. I, go listen. I mean, you'll learn a lot about like plastic and uh, I don't know, other things that are important stuff. to know about. All right. Yeah. Um, so you're not listening to, um, I don't know, you have, you, you, like, as, for somebody who's as widely read. Yeah, I do like and, reading. Like, you're an educator and, and you're very educated. Like talking to students. And, yeah, and you like to explore and you're you're curious. Yes. It surprises me that you don't listen to more podcasts. I think I'm a visual learner. Like, I, I really like to look at words and process them hey, that Scotty, way. Hey, Scotty, write that down. We could expand our audience if we videotape the podcast. 
So maybe 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 and that's then, some good that comes yeah, out of this. Yeah, and put like closed captions. Um, <laughs> I love closed captions. So you can make sure you're hearing what is being said. Yeah, exactly. Reading. Seeing what is being yeah, said. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I I I'm the kind of person that always. It's has weird how we've on. taken uh, like in our household almost always the closed captioning now is on, and part of that's because we have. Uh, if you hear some background noise here, it's storming just outside it's, it the Generations raining. Weekday Worship Studios. Yes. Um, <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, our, so I, it's probably because of the noise in our household, but like everybody watches shows mm-hmm. or videos or TV, sports, anything with closed captioning on. So it's always kind yep. of going across the screen. Yeah. No, see, I think that's how I grew up too, because I'm one of seven children. Right. So again, lots of noise all yeah. the time. And so if you, like, if you're watching something, nobody really cares. Yeah, it was so I was watching Shark Tank <laughs> last night and yes. I'm, in the, I'm in the room by myself and I'm okay. watching it. And then I think two of our kids got home from something my mom got home from something and then like all of a sudden and nobody was I don't know I didn't even feel like people were talking intentionally being but it was like all of a sudden I couldn't hear anything and I had to pause it and back it up and start it over and, <laughs> yeah, yeah that's a and movie a you need to watch like, every minute of and know what's Shark going Tank? on yeah oh, that was love, one of my favorites you, you like Shark Tank uh, yes I okay. do that's one with a lava lamp right <laughs> I think there might be a lava lamp. I was in really it. into lava lamps. Yeah. My parents wouldn't let me have one because I've thought it was dangerous. I've never heard of anybody watching Shark Tank because of the lava lamp, but well, I think there happens to be a lava have. lamp. So we need to get Shark Tank doing a podcast. Uh, yeah, I would listen to that lava lamp. So we're going to talk some about your dreams mm-hmm. in this conversation. One of my dreams, and I have no entrepreneurial bent whatsoever, okay. and I have no ideas, but I would love to be on Shark Tank one day. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I have so, no idea how I'm going to okay, get there. Okay, I was thinking of a movie. Um, Shark Tank? It is, that's the movie you were watching. Or were you watching the... No, the show. You were watching the, the show. The, yeah, the business but show. But is there not also a movie called Shark Tank? Wow. Were we on this, totally different this, uh, levels? <laughs> I love having Scotty oh here God. in the room because he's like he's like looking <laughs> stuff up for us. This is what Caleb so and I, I need. So I also like the show Shark Tank. I think I've watched like okay. two of them. Are you thinking of Shark Tales? Shark Tales. Oh, oh my, my God. Are you talking about the Will Smith yeah. cartoon? <laughs> it's great. I thought you were watching that by yourself. Oh, my gosh. Uh, there was definitely a lava lamp in that. <laughs> I can <laughs> so see it. This is the worst podcast intro ever. So, I'm so sorry. The, you I should said, listen to more podcasts. You said you like podcasts and you um, listened to five episodes no, of I do, one I wish, podcast. I wish I liked podcasts. And now you also like Shark Tank so much that you've watched it two times. No, Shark Tales. Yeah, but Shark Tank, you said you have. I think you like watched, that as yeah, well. I think I have, well, because the thing is, I didn't There's watch. There's like 12 seasons. TV. Yeah, I know. So I should get on There's that. more out there. I just didn't watch TV. So my parents never watched TV. Like, Shark Tank would have been like way outside the realm of anything. So you I and I went different directions. Up. My parents also didn't have a TV when I was growing up. Uh-huh. And so now I'm. Now we all, like, we, I watch you TV all, all the time. Yeah, right? I actually only bought a TV at the beginning of the pandemic. Oh, wow. Because I was like, I'm going to be home enough to actually yeah. use this thing. Yeah. So my, my parents also didn't. Um, uh, let us uh, drink soda, and so now yeah. I like soda a lot. So it can go like, oh, and, and, yeah. and in one way, like you deprive your kids of it, and they won't want it. And <laughs> yeah. the, I guess maybe I'm rebellious, so they deprive me of it, and so I hurl myself into it. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, um, you were just mentioning good segue. There was a good segue a second ago. Now it's going to be a so you were talking segue. about your dream of being an entrepreneur. Yeah, but no, you had With actually Shark Tank, a, you had a, you had an actual good segue somewhere in there, and I was thinking while you were saying it, oh, that's a good oh, segue. No. But now it's a bad segue so we're just gonna do it okay ask um, away yeah so um oh you were talking about being one of seven children and oh, I was yeah, like, going, oh that's, that's a good beginning so yeah. give us like the the quick <laughs> rachel furnish like sort of background story for people who don't know you yeah um and i don't know just a couple minutes to kind of give us a glimpse into your family your upbringing and for sure that kind of stuff yeah okay so i'm one of seven i have i'm number three people always ask me like what number are you um so i'm number three i have an older sister older brother 
Younger brother, three younger sisters. Mm -hmm. So big family, big crowd. Um, my sisters are some of my favorite people ever. I hang out with them a lot. My brothers are also cool, but I don't know. Don't know them as well these days. Mm -hmm. um, especially because I moved here uh, from, I moved to Atlanta from my hometown of Austin four years ago. Um, and so that kind of, you know, led to me getting uh, less in touch with, you know, mm -hmm. certain aspects of my family. The um, California of the South, Austin. Yes, yeah, Silicon Hills. <laughs> that's what we call Austin these days. My dad does work in software stuff. So, um, so yeah, I grew up and went to school in Austin. Um, and kind of, so, yeah, this is kind of my story. I went to school for mechanical engineering, um, which was very ironic if you knew me when I was anything under 18 years old um, because I wanted to be a fashion designer. I, I don't yeah, think I knew I that. Know. Yeah, nobody, you wouldn't guess that now, but I like made all of my clothes. I was even in like the yearbook for being a fashion designer um, in middle school. So yeah, obviously I was really making my mark. Um, we were just rewatching Devil's Devil Wears Prada yes, the other night. Oh, such that's, a good movie. That's got to hit a little close yeah. to home. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and I loved foreign languages. So my goal was to be like an international, I don't know, I wanted to live in Paris or something like that. Um, <clears throat> when I was 16, I got the chance to live in Beijing for six weeks mm -hmm. and I fell in love with China. Um, I just loved it. Like I thought the characters it's were really pretty. a lot really of people pretty. to fall in love with. Yeah, I know. And thing. there's a lot of people there and they all loved me. Yeah. Um, cause I was <laughs> trying to learn Mandarin. People just like randomly give you things. They're like, Oh, you're American. Here's like some random thing. Like had you a studied, mango smoothie. Like, yeah, had you studied Mandarin before going? No. Or, so okay. I had... We were, yeah, we were talking about this a little bit. I like to study a little bit before I go anywhere. Mm -hmm. um, and so I had done like a crash course in Mandarin. So I could order coffee by the time I got there. Okay. Um, and I could say my name. So like and order coffee the, from me in, um, in, in, in Chinese, in Mandarin. Yao Yibei Cafe. I think that, that's not. Can you look that up, Scotty? Can you? <laughs> that, that can you oh, yeah, fact check. Yes. Okay. That was yeah. that was right. Um, so that was about what I could say, and I didn't even drink coffee back then, so it was kind of useless. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I got a language tutor while I was there, um, and my friends that I went with, and I, we all would take language lessons and then go like shopping and practice our Mandarin with random people. Um, and so that was my goal for life was to just learn languages and I don't know design and sew clothes or something. Then, while I was there, I visited a factory that, like, my host dad uh, had business with or something. And the owner of this factory was um, a believer, a Christian, who um, had basically chosen to run a factory in a very godly manner. So, mm -hmm. in China, there's a lot of migrant workers, people who come from villages to work in um, basically higher-paying factories, although by American standards, it's not high-paying at all. Mm -hmm. And so this man and his family had chosen to basically uh, pay all of their workers a living wage, give them time off on weekends so that they could go back to their villages uh, to see their families. And he had started um, just helping to introduce people to scripture. Um, and so, yeah, there was just like so much good that this guy was doing. And he was still like very happy and living comfortably and able to go to um, a church that was, you know, legal there. I, I hope it still is because it was a great place. Um, and so I just, I thought that was so cool that he was using his skills to empower people, give them a better life and just show them what it looks like to be a Christian who's not always chasing, you know, a dollar sign mm -hmm. and instead chasing relationships and pursuing people um, in a way that I think Jesus would have. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, okay, forget fashion design. I'm going to be an engineer. <laughs> Um, wow. And so that's what I did. I went to engineering school and I finished engineering school and I was not ready to, I don't know, like go into engineering because I was realizing 
um, I don't know, I interviewed some places, and I remember this one place I interviewed, um, and they flew me first class and everything, and it was a really, like, glamorous experience, but they kept on saying this. They kept on saying, I'm... So, yeah, everything we do is just to sell stuff at Christmas. Like, our goal is just all year we make products that we can sell at Christmas. And I was like, I sat down with one of the people who wasn't interviewing me. I was just having lunch. And I was like, so what? how does it feel to that your whole job is just about the commercialization of a religious holiday? And he looked at me, and he was like, well, I never thought of it that way, but that's very true. And I was like, okay, I definitely cannot work here. Um, I was like, I just, I think Christmas is about more than just, you know, mm-hmm. the newest set of headphones or whatever. That's what that company made. So, um, so I decided to go to grad school. Were they at least good headphones? Yeah, it was Bose. Okay. Um, oh, yeah. wow. Yeah. You just came out with it. <laughs> Bose just got thrown under the bus. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, so it was I like drove a cool. Nissan uh, Maxima. Did it have Bose uh, speakers with the in Bose, it? Like, sp- oh, my gosh. Those yeah. things were awesome. I mean, they're really good. Yeah. But I drove that I was car just for like, like 18 years. Did you get it for Christmas? It. The, no, it was it was in it when I bought it. When okay, I bought the car. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Fair enough. yeah no, I've never I don't spend money on extra stuff like that. No, yeah. Just happened um, to be. Yeah. So it just it just didn't fit with like that that version of capitalism didn't fit with my version of like uh, how I could best serve Jesus. Okay. And so I went to grad school um and did you, um, where did you go to undergrad? Uh, UT at, Austin. Okay, so yeah. you stayed home. Were you living at home? Uh, during no, school, I did not or? live at home. Okay. I lived I was like, like an RA yeah, and yeah. stuff. Yeah, okay. I lived in dorms. All right. Um and so, yeah, but it was like 20, 30 minute drive from home. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to back up just a little bit. Yeah. So uh, the range, uh, the age range on the seven kids in your family, what's the, uh, uh, the oldest? Oldest is? is 28 or 29. Okay. And the youngest is still Youngest is 16. Okay. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. I just wanted to try to give people that view. Yeah. Uh, and then um, in high school, did you play sports? Did you do other extracurricular <laughs> stuff? Um. So yeah, because of the number of kids behind me, I wasn't really... I didn't have a lot of time. I was babysitting a lot yeah, for, my, yeah, yeah. for my parents okay. to take care of my younger siblings. So I, like, really didn't do a lot of extracurriculars. I think I was in, like, French club and Spanish club, which met, like, once a yeah. semester. Yeah, you were learning languages. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I was in Model, Model United Nations, which is this, you know, group that kind of pretends to be the UN. Yeah. Um, and you get assigned a country in a conflict, and you negotiate it. Yeah, I was actually thinking when you were talking about the languages, I was like, it surprises me that you never went towards something like that. Also yeah. because of some of your humanitarian streak yeah. and, and that kind of stuff too, that there would have been options for you with yeah. multi And maybe if I'd like, like met that. a diplomat instead of an engineer, right. <laughs> I would have yeah, ended yeah, yeah. up being a diplomat. Yeah. Well, yeah, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think I also kind of had this like inferiority complex thing because nobody thought I could become an engineer. Mm. Uh, my dad laughed when I told girl. him. Yeah. And I, girls and can't be engineers, I'm a girl Rachel. in a very like... Um, Male dominant world. Well, but like my family <laughs> specifically was very gender normy. You okay. know, like... All the women in my family were either teachers or stay-at-home moms, uh-huh. and so um, that was like no, what no, I expected. No nurses, no nurses, right? <laughs> <laughs> we're just not really good with that. I don't think. I know. I'm not. I tell my students all the time. I'm like, um, I did not, I did not pursue nursing as a career, and if I had, I would make more money, work less hours, but I didn't. So don't come yeah. near me with anything bloody, okay? <laughs> <laughs> but we'll get to that part. Yeah. Being, so you go engineering. Uh, yeah. Did your undergraduate at UT Austin? Yep. Uh, and then. And then I went to grad school because I wasn't school. ready yeah. to be in capitalism <laughs> as a contributor, right? Yeah. Um, and so I went to grad school, and I did actually origin of life studies. So basically trying to see, like, how 
um, how did life begin? Because mm-hmm. you can have a science textbook from your high school biology class that says, oh, you know, at such and such date, the earth was made out of 25% nitrogen, 25% carbon, blah, blah, blah. It's not true. Um, that, that's just not true. The experiment that was done did not prove the origin of life at all. Um, and so everybody thinks, you know, oh, I took high school biology. I know how life began. You don't. None of us do. We have no mm-hmm. idea how the first life began on Earth, other than, you know, spiritually we know that God created it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the, the biological slash, like, engineering side of that, we just don't know how God did it. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of interest in knowing how to do that um, because if you can create cells or artificial cells, um, then you can create better vaccines. And so mm-hmm. actually I was working on DNA encapsulation, which is a sister to mRNA encapsulation, which is what was used to make the vaccine that a lot For of us have now. COVID, yeah. So, um, but yeah, I actually, it's really funny because I, I remember thinking it was so hard to encapsulate this DNA and I was like, I have no future in this. This technology has no future. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I just started praying, God, please give me a different job. And that's how I became a teacher. Um, and so, I mean, obviously I was wrong that there was no future in DNA encapsulation. <laughs> I think that's not yeah. like, yeah, that really is the future, I think for some medicine. Um, but yeah, I became a teacher. And so, um, for the past three years, I've taught engineering to high school students, um, mm-hmm. which I, I kind of focus more on the design aspect of engineering, more so than the math aspect, <laughs> because it's high school. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's been a really fun uh, but Yeah, what school have you been teaching at? North Burnett High School in Swanee. Yeah. Um, I do have to confess that as a uh, Norcross <laughs> person, we do hate North Gwinnett. Yeah. I'm told that's what we're supposed to do. Peachtree Ridge Lions, baby. Do you got, does Peachtree Ridge, do they have a rivalry with North Carolina? Yeah, I think. Oh, you guys hate them are. too? Yeah. yeah. Ah, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm told. Uh, I, actually, I think uh, I think Andrew Hickson first told me that I was supposed to hate North Gwinnett. Uh, as a with my kids in Norcross schools, and then Daniel started playing football, and I found out that's the broad sentiment uh, that we hate yeah. North Gwinnett. Okay, so. well, I'm not the only North Gwinnett teacher at, okay. uh, at Generation. Yeah, that's right. So you better watch out. Yeah, how many are uh, there? I think just two. Okay. Right. Is uh, <laughs> is the other one Anna? No. Yeah, Anna. Yeah, okay. Anna works yeah. on my hall. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. Um, and well, you'll both. You're, you're both moving on, right? Is she so. moving on? Mm-hmm. I didn't know that. I haven't talked yeah. to her. Oh, you don't even know about this. Yeah, no. Is it okay to talk about these things? I think it's I'll public knowledge. I'll just go knowledge. talk to her tomorrow in her classroom. Yeah. Oh, you'll <laughs> so be excited about Anna's plans. You better listen to the next plans. podcast because yeah. we're spilling details. Yeah, there's PhDs involved and things like that. That's amazing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll definitely so, have to catch up with her. So uh, this is weird the way this is evolving. In our, now I feel like I'm sharing other people's <laughs> business. Uh, <laughs> you can edit it out, right? <laughs> yeah, hopefully. Um, can you? Is there any checking you can do for me on this while we're sitting here, Scott? <laughs> Um, so you had said before, um, maybe not while we were recording, but you're, you're about to move to to Bangkok and we're going to get there, but Mm -hmm. you've done, um, you you did this stint that summer in, uh, China, but then you've also, you've lived other times in Asia. When did those times come about? So when I was in Beijing as a 16 year old, um, and even then I was a believer. Um, I, you know, I've been on a spiritual journey for my whole life, but I, um, became a Christian when I was pretty young, Mm -hmm. um, and have just been, you know, learning more about God and myself, um, along the way. Mm -hmm. And so when I was in China, I really felt compelled, um, I would say by the Holy Spirit to go back and work in China. Um, so yeah, when I was in Beijing, I kind of felt like God was telling me, come back and work here. Mm -hmm. And so I did, um, when I was 19, I did a work abroad program through my university and Mm -hmm. went and lived in Shanghai. And, um, 
quote, worked um, for a media company. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't, I think they were hiring me mostly because I was American and it looked good for their company to employ Americans. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I didn't have like a lot of work to do. So I spent a lot of time talking to my coworkers, um, one of whom became practicing, a Christian. Practicing Mandarin. <laughs> yeah, practicing my Mandarin. And one of them ended up becoming a Christian um, and telling me about it and we're still in touch. Um, mm-hmm. And so that was like really, really cool that I got to, yeah, I don't know, kind of see like some fruit come out of um, having followed, you know, what I believe to be mm-hmm. God's voice over my life. Yeah. Um, and so, do you know Heidi Neal? Yeah, I've met have her. You guys, have yeah, you guys yeah, gotten yeah. to speak Chinese with each other? I don't so, think so. Doesn't she also speak French, or is that somebody else? I don't know. You smart people like <laughs> do like I don't know. I'm like, a lot of the smart people kind of do all the cool things that smart people do. I can't. It's hard to keep up. Like, like Heidi's really smart and. Uh, yeah, I just didn't. Yeah. I, I didn't know if you I guys had spoken while, some Mandarin together. I yeah. think we have okay. at a women's event or yeah. something okay. at some point. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, so after I worked abroad, I like after I, that summer in Shanghai, I was like, well, I think I'm still supposed to go to China later, right? Like, I don't know. And so I went and studied abroad in Hong Kong. Um, and when I was in Hong Kong, I visited Taiwan, and I was like, wow, this place um, <clears throat> just has like a different level of unreached, I think. So there's kind of this multiplying church movement happening in China, mainland China, which happens a lot when the church is oppressed is Mm -hmm. Christians are forced to really live their values and people end up seeing that and being like, why are you so kind to me? Mm -hmm. Um, But Taiwan is different because Taiwan is kind of this, um, basically during the cultural revolution in China, um, everybody with a religious belief that was strong enough to run away for, like they all moved to Taiwan. Mm -hmm. And so Taiwan is kind of this pluralist religious society Mm -hmm. as opposed to kind of this like atheistic society that exists mostly in China. Right. Um, and so I felt, yeah. I felt like I wanted to go and see, like, maybe I'll live in Taiwan one day. Um, and so I went back to Taiwan after I graduated college and just spent um, a month teaching English and a month farming um, and having cool conversations with people um, along the way. What were you farming? Um, I worked on a few different organic farms. There's a program you can uh-huh. uh, sign up to farm with. And... Um, let's see. I farmed. My first one was carrots. I also farmed ginger and tomatoes. I worked in a bakery at one point, um, and I sorted rice. Did you know you have to sort rice before you like send it off to people? I yeah. What are you sorting out of it? Bugs. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I had to like put a handful of rice in my hand and like mm-hmm. squish all the bugs and yeah. then put the rice in. The sort bag. of like mining. Yeah. In a reverse sort of yeah. way. <laughs> it was, yeah, mining for bugs. Mine, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so that was, um, yeah, I mean, I love being in nature, so that was a good mm-hmm. experience. And so then, yeah, I went to grad school, and I was like, God, I'll just wait to see what door opens next. Um, because, yeah, I just, I love being able to share about God's love with people. Mm. And there's a lot of places in the world where nobody's been able to do that before. Yeah. So, so. How many languages do you know then? Um, I'm fluent in English. That's my biggest one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but I have studied French, Spanish, and Mandarin pretty extensively. Okay. Um, to where I could probably convince you that I'm a you know, child of a native speaker sort of okay. thing. All so, right. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, okay. So, uh, so you, now you've been teaching for the last few years, living here in yeah. Norcross for two years? Yeah. Norcross, I moved here two and a half years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, so you chose the right place to live and the wrong place to teach. <laughs> and um, No, but that's partly because they had an engineering program that, right. you've, been, that you've been doing there. So, yeah. um, so how did we get to bang, like to where you're 
in the closing weeks, about to go yeah. to Bangkok. Like, give give some of the story there. Yeah. Um, and some of the things that God's, the dominoes that kind of God's um, caused to fall. I would say the biggest domino was Jim and Martina, specifically Martina, um, talking to me at a women's Christmas party, I think, in 2019. Um, and I had just shared with her, yeah, like, my dream is to work overseas. Um, and she was like, well, I used to live overseas and sent my kids to a lot of international schools. Um, mm-hmm. Let me think of one that I can connect you to. And so she came back in February of 2020 and put me in touch with the school that I'm now going to be working at next year. That's amazing. Um, and they reached out to me. They were like, hey, send your resume. I sent them my resume. They said, oh, this looks great. And I was like, wow, like for such a random resume that I have, like, uh-huh. you know, mechanical engineering, undergrad to material science grad school to <laughs> dropping out of grad school and being are, a teacher. Are you saying sorting the bugs out of rice didn't make the resume? <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it might be on there. Not like, <laughs> not, not in so many words, but I think my summer in Taiwan is on okay, the yeah. somewhere. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, so they said it looked great, which was really encouraging to me. Um, and then they reached out in August and were like, hey, we talked to you in February. We want to talk to you now. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, they kind of had expressed they were trying to start an engineering program. They had thought about doing it in a year or so. Then they saw my resume, wanted to see if I was the right person to start this program. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of my dream. I more I, I kind of started the engineering program at the school I'm at right now, but it's part of a larger program that I'm kind of constrained by. Mm-hmm. And so the idea of getting to start a new program unconstrained and have teaching experience already mm-hmm. um, kind of seems like the perfect fit. Yeah. So uh, let's, uh, we may, we may walk back and cover some other mm-hmm. ground, but, um, uh, but give us a glimpse real quick into the actual school. So mm-hmm. the understanding the missionary connection that this yes. isn't just, you're not just going right, to no. teach and yeah. you're a Christian, but no. the actual makeup of the school, the kind of focus of the school and then, um, and yeah, and then the kind of uniqueness of the role you get to play there. Absolutely. Okay. So the school I'll be working at is called International Community School, Bangkok. Um, that's the capital of Thailand. That's where I'll be living. Um, and the, the vision of the school is to kind of create opportunities for students and their families to learn about Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, and the reason this is a big deal is Thailand is what we would consider an unreached people group. Um, and technically there's like several different people groups within Thailand. Um, and, and we would consider most of them to be unreached. Mm-hmm. Um, and what that means is that less than 2% of the residents or you know population of a people group um, knows Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... So from a missiology standpoint, yeah. the classification of unreached came about because you need, by, again, sociological standards, you need yeah. more than 2% of a people group to be converted to, I guess, have some sort of... Um, uh, anticipation that the rest of the country could be reached by its own people. Exactly. Right? And so, so part of this is when we're talking unreached, we're talking about not just people who don't know Jesus, don't know the gospel, don't believe in right. or follow Christ, but but we're talking about largely a, a, a people group who has no access to exactly the gospel, uh, no context to hear. Um, uh, you know, from a local person about yeah. Jesus and so forth. So definitely, yeah. yeah. So, so Thailand falls into that, which you, a lot of places are that right. way still. But Thailand falls into this, which is a big deal for you because that you yeah. wanted to minister among unreached people. So yeah, um, yeah. And so I, I've, that, I guess I kind of left that out earlier. But I um, grew up in 
the, the church that I went to in college has a very big um, heart for the nations and specifically heart for the unreached. And so um, ever since I was in college, I felt this very great desire on my heart to be part of what God is doing to reach the unreached. Because we know like from... So you went to the Austin Stone, and I don't yeah. know how many of our people know the Austin Stone. They've, <laughs> probably not many of them, but the Austin Stone, whether they know it or not, has had a big influence within Acts 29. Yes. Uh, they've had uh, their their uh, pastors have played roles within the board of Acts 29, some of the direction. I think a lot of the globalized expression of Acts 29 in the last five to six years has been the result of some of the influence of people yeah. within Austin Stone. And so they, they're, we actually feel some of their influence, whether we know it or not, Absolutely. within even generations. And, yeah. and, and we sing their we sing songs. Their That's songs. right. They've got yeah. a really good worship ministry. <laughs> That's right. We sing some of their, what's like uh, singing in the victory and this glorious grace. This glorious yes. grace. Yeah. Some good songs. I was, they just released a new album with like four or five songs on it. I was listening yeah. to the other day actually. So yeah, I love um, their worship music. Yeah. So, so I just want to say, I just want to affirm that part yeah. of the way you found your way here was Acts 29. Definitely. Um, yeah. And, and so we do have some kind of connection there to the Austin yeah. Stone and, and we have, um, indirectly, if not directly, you know, benefited from their influence. Definitely. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, going, going to the Austin stone kind of put this idea in my heart and like, uh, this calling in my heart that like, there are people who need to know Jesus Mm -hmm. and like everybody, you know, we just have to trust God with the best outcome and the most just outcome. But he did commission us to go and make disciples of every nation. Mm -hmm. And I can't just sit in Atlanta and expect that to happen naturally for me. Right. Um, and so going to Bangkok is a big part of like me following that. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think it looks different for everybody for sure, but all of us are called to make disciples of all nations. So, um, that's kind of the heart of the school is to introduce students to Jesus and show them, um, through the way they live and connect, um, Mm -hmm. with their students. So the students are indigenous local for the most part. So it's an international school. So there is definitely like a expats. diverse, uh, yeah, expats and just a diverse like country mm-hmm. uh, inclusion, I guess. Uh, mm-hmm. People from all different nationalities um, will be there. Um, it is 60% Thai, mm-hmm. uh, 60% Thai locals. Um, I think it has a pretty strong Korean population. And then um, just kind of, you know, some missionary kids, some mm-hmm. diplomats kids, some business people's kids sort of yeah, thing. So a very countries. wide range of... Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And the mission of the school. Yeah. Let me you were talking about read this it earlier. again. Yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm so excited about the mission of the school. Um, so this is their mission statement. Based on the Bible, in partnership with parents, we teach the whole student to know and apply wisdom for the good of our world and the glory of God. Mm-hmm. Um, and so one of the reasons that resonates with me so much is because as an engineering teacher, um, <laughs> the one thing my students will learn is <laughs> they learn nothing else is my definition of engineering, which is um, to use math, science, and technology to solve problems and make the world a better place. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of, and, and that stems from, I mean, obviously what engineers do, but also from uh, the commission that God gives man in Genesis. Mm-hmm. He tells mankind um, to have dominion over the earth. And what that means, he's not saying, you know, go and destroy and exploit <laughs> the natural resources of the earth, but, right. you know, to allow for flourishing of both humankind and, you know, other species, nature, um, you know, animals, plants, all the other, you know, kingdoms. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and so I'm really excited to go to a school that like has this vision of like, how can we share about God and, you know, work towards the good of God's uh, creation and king- just the kingdom of God in general mm-hmm. um, as teachers. And how can we partner with our students and our parents to, to that end? Yeah. Um, and so I'm really excited about So it's super that. cool because in some ways, what's really interesting to me yeah. is here you're going to a foreign country um, and it's not a closed country, right? No, in, I, in any I think sense. you can be there as a missionary, mm-hmm. but 
Um, there's a lot of hoops you have to jump through to get right. there in the first place. Yeah, so, but it's still an unreached country. And what's yeah. so interesting yeah. to me is within the public school system here that you're teaching within mm-hmm. currently, you're not permitted to speak yeah. overtly about matters of faith or to yeah. evangelize or whatever. And here you're going all the way to Thailand mm-hmm. and, and with the with the commission from the school right. to teach unbelieving kids about Jesus exactly. in the context of teaching, educating them yeah. in, in a specific field, yeah. which is just super cool. Yeah, um, I know. And uh, yeah, so what an exciting thing! And I, and I think too that the part of this that excites me, I think, for our church to to have a, a at least a, a representative, let's say, of of our church going on this kind of uh, adventure um, with uh, with Jesus to advance the gospel in this kind of way is so much of the world. Um, now, so much of the unreached world in particular, mm-hmm. um, where the places they're, they're the hardest to get to, they're the most undeveloped places yeah. in some cases, or the most hostile in some yeah. cases to the gospel. So missions efforts in unreached places tend to need to become increasingly um, non-traditional Mm-hmm. in the way in which we engage missions, right? right? So it's not so much uh, learning theology, learning a language, <laughs> learning a culture, and then sending a person to go parachute into a new country right. and plant a church and preach the gospel as, right. you know, whatever. So instead, what what we're looking at is uh, missions through entrepreneurship, yeah. uh, right? St- creating businesses, starting jobs, stimulating the economy, yeah. creating a better life for people, and having that be a platform right. for missions. You were talking about the guy in China, right, where, yeah. where you operate a business profitably but with Christian ethos yeah, and principles, exactly. right? And or things like education, like you're mm-hmm. doing. And so, so it's it, it, like you're not going as a missionary, raising support through whatever agency to get to this level of support. Now right. you have to have churches and Christians here in the states support yeah. you going. You're getting to go, and the international what the community school, community school yeah. <laughs> is paying your missionary salary exactly for you to be there. And for the purpose of reaching yeah. these kids with a and presenting a, a biblical worldview yes. within the, the exactly. So yeah. I just find that so um, compelling. Yeah, you know, I mean, exciting. And, so and there's like so many ways to do mission, and different groups need to experience sure. missions in different ways. Um, but like, I'm so excited that I. It's not about me. Like, it's not about me going. Mm-hmm. It's really about the people that I'm going to get to meet and the ways that they're going to learn and interact with Jesus, and then share that with their families and share that with their friends. Mm-hmm. And like, all these people that I will never meet are hopefully going to be impacted through what my school is doing mm-hmm. and through what I'm doing with them. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. And the other cool part about it is, I think about the experiences that God has used formationally for you. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, in largely the educational environment, getting to set yeah. you in these different environments <laughs> that he there stimulates your heart for Christ and for missions and for lost and unreached peoples. And then I'm thinking concurrently years ago, God's taking Jim and Martina yeah. on a journey th- with Coca-Cola. Right. He's paying their missionary salary for right. everywhere they went. Right. Mm-hmm. And they're doing all these things. And then God brings you both um, probably to a place like suburban Atlanta that neither of you would have ever foreseen yourselves like <laughs> landing, right? And land you at a church with, uh, you know, not that many people. Yeah. And yet their connections in Thailand from their time then uh, kind of link you to this job, yeah. this missionary now assignment from the yeah. Lord. And, and so I'm just looking at all that too. And I'm just going like, man, the providence of God is amazing. It is. It really is. And it's so, it's thrilling to see. Yeah. And, and I think especially because like, the person I was when I was the age of the students that I teach, like mm. when I was a high schooler, I never saw myself being an, 
an engineering teacher. I could have definitely seen myself being a teacher. I think I did seriously consider teaching a foreign language. Yeah. And um, you were probably thinking about fashion design. And yeah, yeah. I mean, that was my, my bigger thing was, was like, I was like, subject? maybe do like <laughs> maybe major in French and see if yeah. that opens doors in one way or another or something. Yeah. Um, and I actually had a high school teacher tell me, don't hurt your pretty little head studying engineering. Go study Spanish. <laughs> um, and not to say anything about a Spanish major. <clears throat> <Yeah>. <laughs> Scotty. <laughs> I just realized I'm the only idiot in the room who doesn't speak multiple languages. Man. Oh, Scotty, Scotty, you can't. This is why you don't get a mic. He's showing off in the corner, rambling on in Spanish. Uh. Um, but yeah, so like it's crazy that looking back on who I was in high school, I never would have seen this for myself. Um, mm-hmm. And it was very much this act of defiance that I even studied engineering in the first place because being told by my parents, like, oh, <laughs> what are you going to do if you get in? I was mm-hmm. like, well, I am going to get in <laughs> to engineering school and I'm going to go is what I'm going to do. Yeah. Um, and then kind of how God has also shaped my heart from being this like defiant, like I want to prove it to the world kind of person to, no, I really want to use my skills that God has like God uniquely has given me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I claim no credit for any of my intellect or abilities to do anything. Um, it's God who has enabled me with all of it. And I get to go and share that and hopefully empower other people to, yeah, like to change their society for the better, to change the world for the better. Yeah. And let's just, let, let me just give a sort of, I think this is another way of maybe Christianizing our worldview, right? Because mm-hmm. when I think about what your vision for your definition of engineering and that that component, mm-hmm. and you were going back to Genesis and, and God's yeah. sort of creational mandate and um, the create and cultivate mandate. And, and yeah. I was thinking, too, about just the idea of engineering that at the core of that is bringing order to the world. Yeah. Right. Discerning yeah. the order that's there for sure. And then trying to bring that productively into exactly. existence. And it's like, like there's something very much the heart of God in that. Right? Yeah, of, absolutely. Of here's the God who takes chaos and puts it into order. Yeah. And, and then, um, you know, weaves into the fabric of creation. Yeah. Um, all of these things that are then that, that we can, pour ourselves into to, to participate in the work yeah. of creation and, and, you know, putting his world into order and, yeah. and those kind of things. And so at, at, at a very cool level, you get to do that in a dual kind of dual level, right? Yeah. Like you get to teach kids about this from a right. scientific standpoint, engineering standpoint, but then you're ultimately getting to do that from a, a spiritual standpoint of yeah. like going, there's a, there's a, a, a level of chaos that you yeah. get to help speak something of the order that God intends for them. I hope so. Yeah. yeah. That is, that is what I hope to yeah, just be able to do and to have an impact on and partner with other people. And that's why I'm super excited to be going with, you know, with an organization with a, of other teachers, you yeah. know, like, like everybody who's there has the same vision right. of like, we want to use the skills that God has given us to his glory mm-hmm. and to empower and educate children. Yeah. So I was asking so. you, you said staff is, you think a couple hundred people. Yeah. I probably should know that number. Yeah. But, um, but when I scroll through the website, there's a lot of faces, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and so when we think about missions, we think traditionally about missions agencies and mm-hmm. who you would be going with. And so your mission team we were talking about yeah. is going to be your, your fellow teachers. Coworkers. and the administrators, and, yeah. and so they're kind of in this with you, and you're yep. in it with them. Um, and one of the things I hope, and you know, we're doing this interview with you. We're going to be interviewing, uh, I think, Michael and Megan Cody coming up soon. And yeah. um, when we get our missions partners overseas in town like Juan, we've gotten to interview him. And so one of the things I hope that that we can stimulate, you know, through people who who uh, through the seven people, do we say where our viewer, our audience is up to seven or eight now? <laughs> um, no, for those of us, for, for our churches, they listen to these things and they hear it's just this reminder that would drive home that 
um, man, we can have a much bigger vision for our vocation yeah. than just yes. the making of money and the, mm-hmm. the, even, even to do a good job. Yes. But, but there are aspects of God's heart and God's character that are reflected in the work that we engage yes. in. And there are purposes beyond, uh, the providing for us Absolutely. Um, that we get to make. And so I hope yeah. that hearing you talk about engineering and teaching and stuff maybe yeah. enlarges that sense of like yeah. purpose for people. I, I totally, I hope so too. Um, I think like there is a biblical mandate to seek justice, for mm-hmm. example. Um, and so like I had a Christian professor in undergrad who like how he sought justice and helped to have, you know, seek mercy also um, was he made prosthetics mm-hmm. for people who wouldn't have had the opportunity to maybe get a prosthetic leg mm-hmm. or prosthetic this or that. And he made them, you know, adjustable, you know, he's doing research on how can we make this so that's like almost closer to one size fits all sort mm-hmm. of thing so that more people who have lost, you know, an arm or a leg can, um, can continue to work and be productive and provide for their families right. and all this stuff. And it's like, you know, with that kind of mind, right? Like you're a professor at UT, sure. you could do something like so many of my professors, all they did was work in oil and mm-hmm. make a lot of money off of, you know, exploring the earth's natural resources. Right. But this one professor, he used his job to really like seek justice and have mercy on mm-hmm. others. Um, and that's, that made such a big impact on me to see him doing that. And yeah. I think it's a, it's played a really big role into who I am now. Yeah. So I think that's maybe a challenge I would issue just through these kind of talks or interviews yeah. is, is to man, maybe today just to think through, um, your vocation, whatever that is, what it is you spend doing Monday through Friday and uh, in in these normal what we consider work hours, and what is right. the unique contribution you can actually make to that company, to those clients that is that, that has that includes this vision of how why God would have you there right. to represent Him and His kingdom and His His character and um, and how you can in some way faithfully be an ambassador of Christ in a very particular way within that vocation, I think is a a worthwhile thing to think through thoroughly. Yeah. And pray through, like if if you don't have an answer, like pray for one Yeah, because I mean, I pray, I had a lot of prayer in the course of my, you know, somewhat short career so far. Um, but I really believe that the blessings that have come and the opportunities that have arisen have come Mm -hmm. from being faithful in prayer and like really just saying like, God, not my will, but your will. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, I, (laughs) I remember I would have told, before I got the job in Thailand, um, if you'd asked me, like, oh, like you want to live internationally, where do you want to live? I would have said, I'd really like to live somewhere that speaks Mandarin, mm-hmm. because I don't really want to learn another language. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and now it's like, nope, I'm learning another language. Yeah. I, I really want to be able to connect with the people that I'm serving, mm-hmm. and um, learning their language is going to be a part of that for yeah, me. Yeah, for so. sure. For sure. Um, very cool. Um, so give us a timeline so just yeah. people uh, in your church family kind of know what you're looking at here. Yeah. So I, <laughs> I'm i kind of waiting on getting a timeline officially, but I need to be in I need to be in Bangkok on July 10th. So I okay. think I need to leave around July 8th um, because of, you know, flights not being 10 minutes or anything like sure. that. <laughs> <laughs> I might be on a plane for a really long time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I'm, I'm thinking I'll probably be leaving around July 8th or maybe a little bit, okay. a day or two. So you got a couple weeks that. left in Gwinnett County school calendar. Yeah. You've got, uh, you're packing stuff up, you're selling yes. stuff. Packing stuff up, selling my belongings, hoping to, you know, use some of those profits to go towards my classroom, mm-hmm. um, and, and serving my students by creating a good, uh, 
Good learning environment. Engineering needs yeah. a good learning environment. Yeah, right? you gotta I mean, have some hands-on tactile exactly. stuff. Exactly. <laughs> I need to have different like workspaces and tools that students can use and yeah. um, words of encouragement. And if people uh, want to donate robotics or something like that. Oh my gosh! That, yeah. All right. If you've got there, robotics, I don't know. I don't know a whole lot about robots. Actually, that's like oh, okay. my one failing what as an engineer. Would... <laughs> um, and I did ask my school before. I was like, "You don't want me to teach robotics, right? Because that's." I would need another year to get ready for that. And they're like, no, we already have a robotics program. We Actually, want you to teach we do want you to teach robotics, and we want you to do it in Thai. So. <laughs> I'd be like, no. give me five years. <laughs> um, um, but, yeah, so no robotics at the moment. I am yeah. really interested in them. I just don't. I did all the other types of engineering, you know. Yeah. I, I learned about everything else. So you've got friends all over the place. You're going to be doing some traveling, kind of closing yeah. things down, at a uh, saying bye to people, kind yeah. of circling some wagons. Exactly. Through a lot of June? Through most of June, yeah. Okay. So I don't know how much of June I'll be here in mm-hmm. Norcross. And then you'll be back for the first, like, in July, and then you like fly out July. For a few July days 8th. in July, yeah. yeah. So you've got uh, visa concerns? Yeah. I'm working on get, or I've done all my work right now for the visa. I'm waiting on some, like, Thai Department of Education, the government stuff mm-hmm. um, they have to basically like prove that yes I'm coming as a teacher mm-hmm. I think it's just a paper they have to sign but there's probably a bunch of papers they have to sign right now and the country's locked down because of COVID mm-hmm. um, like a rise in cases over there Okay. and so um, yeah I just don't know when I'm going to be getting my papers so that I can sign them and send them in yeah. um, but prayers that that would go smoothly and quickly and efficiently and that I would get it all you know on the first try mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> so um, that'd be great you, and it's you're teaching high schoolers, right? High school, all, yeah. all high schoolers. Nine through twelve. Yeah. Um, okay, so we've got you here for a few more weeks, about another month, and then mm-hmm. you're out for a month, and then you're back for a few days, and then yeah. out of here. So exactly, um, you don't have other practical things at the moment that we can help with, but we are telling you, and now publicly telling you, let us know if and as things come up. All right, yeah, absolutely. Um, and um, I'm trying to think, you got anything else, Scotty? You want to cover here? You got any questions <laughs> over there, buddy? You want to ask him in Spanish? <laughs> Show off. Show off. <laughs> that was a total Spanish flex, for sure. Uh, what you say, So say something in French, too. Qu'est-ce que tu veux que je dis? Je sais pas. What do you want her to say? <laughs> I, yeah, don't exactly. I don't know. Exactly. That's what she said. Je sais pas. Oh, what oh, do you want me to say? Oh, oui, tu es Oh, wow. Un peu de français. Oui, je sais. Un peu. Un tout petit peu. So I've heard people say, like, oh, that's bad radio when you do certain things. Like, I think this is bad podcasting when you have multilingual <laughs> people start speaking other languages on the podcast. So um, start to lose. Uh, uh, <laughs> start to lose people. <laughs> so, um, cool. Um, is there any? Let, let me ask you. I'll ask this, and just let you speak to to this. Uh, you've obviously developed some friendships in our church mm-hmm. uh, over the last couple of years, um, and with a range of different people. And um, so, there are some who are more personally connected to you. But um, how can? What are some of the things you might think about just as you're going um, that generations could do um, going forward to be supportive, to um, be meaningfully engaged? Um, and helping to, um, yeah, to encourage and, and um, support you in the work that you're doing? Yeah, um, that's a great question. Let me think. So just, I think the biggest thing, like I know that there's prayer on Sunday mornings and I mm-hmm. um, was pretty involved with that before the pandemic and I plan to 
start coming again. Um, but just knowing that I'm being prayed over, I think, like I said earlier, like prayer has such a big impact on mm-hmm. life. God really listens to our prayers. And, um, I think that's like, just knowing that I'm, you know, somebody's praying for me and for my success. And like, mm-hmm. I would be happy to keep sending, you know, updated prayer requests as things get hard or yeah, go well you, or You've whatever. seen Scotty's great work on the app on mission stuff. Yeah. Like, think, yeah. So we'll have like a Rachel Furnish All update right. section so people can yes. know how to be praying for you. Cool. And, I would and love that. that. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, I think, and I think that's a way that like generations can stay engaged with mm-hmm. what God is doing in Thailand. Mm-hmm. Um, tell, oh, that, yeah. that, I meant to ask that. So yeah. before we run out of time here, uh, <laughs> tell tell us a little bit of what just the landscape in Thailand uh, from a spiritual standpoint yeah. and otherwise, just so yeah, people understand sure. a little bit of that. Climate. So we talked about it being unreached, yeah. sure. Um, but but it goes a little bit deeper than that. So missionaries have been in Thailand for over a hundred years. Um, probably longer than that. I just, a hundred comes to mind. Um, and less than 2% of the Thai population has, uh, come to know the Lord. Mm -hmm. And that's for a few reasons. Um, a big one is, um, just like spiritual, um, forces at play over there. And Buddhism is a big one. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, um, I think if you think of Bangkok, if you've ever been there, or if you have seen a picture, it's probably of a temple. Mm. Temples are very, very common. Um, like tourist attraction over there, which is kind of interesting. It's kind of like churches in Europe, but it's kind of all this, like almost this commercialization of yeah. worship. Um, and that's kind of how I'm picturing you... the, 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 the building at the beginning of inception. Do you know the one I'm talking about? You guys seen the movie inception? I have seen it, but I wasn't paying attention. Oh man. It's... I was well, reading the captions. Yeah. All right. <laughs> 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 that's terrible. Okay. So anyway, yeah. So temple. But yeah, so, so Buddhism is a very strong, um, like hold on people there, um, which has pros and cons. Um, I think the pro that you would think of is people in Thailand are generally very peaceful, which is Mm -hmm. something that Buddhism kind of like does encourage, I guess. Um, but one of the cons is fatherlessness because a lot of men will leave their families to go become monks. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that creates fractured families. It creates, um, you know, financial stress on mothers and all of these things can kind of add up to create a really like difficult environment for somebody to, um, see their need for the Lord and see Mm -hmm. their need for, you know, God to save them and, and forgive them. Yeah. Um, and I think that is, yeah, I've done a lot of reading of like different people who have come to know Jesus from a Buddhist background. Mm-hmm. Um, and forgiveness is a big thing that I think a lot of people are seeking because Buddhism doesn't have forgiveness. It has, um, self-improvement. Yeah. It has self-improvement and it has like, you know, this whole like karma, karma kind of, yeah. uh, perspective of like, if you do something bad, it's coming back to you, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, whereas Jesus, he forgives us and yeah, there's consequences for our actions, but at the end of the day, it's not going to be the reason that we can't know the Lord Mm -hmm. and that we can't have, um, you know, complete peace with, with God, which is sometimes a bigger deal. Like, obviously like that's the biggest deal is that we want to be at peace with God. Um, and that allows us to be at peace with humanity and Mm -hmm. with ourselves. So, Hmm. and then obviously Bangkok's widely known for the the predominance of the sex trade. Yeah, uh, for sure. Is, uh, one of the global yeah. cities for that. Um, so I know, I know your heart particularly for young women. Yeah, um, definitely. And so I, I know there will be spaces there that you're, yeah. you're kind of looking for how you, <laughs> how, how you I can a, help. Yeah, yeah. Um, exactly. Yeah. So anything else about Thailand that would be helpful to know? Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't want to gloss over the predominance of trafficking yeah. and just like, a lot again, like women turning to sex work because it's profitable. Yeah. And um, I, I just want to like challenge everyone to be convicted over like how heartbreaking it is that people, um, I mean, like 
Bangkok is known as a sex capital of the world, you know? Yeah. Like, that's so tragic. And what's interesting, so I mean, I, in a terrible way, right, is, like, yeah. Atlanta's one it, it, exactly. of the that's international where I was going. hubs, right? I, that, yeah. That's exactly what I was going to say. Like, this isn't just a Bangkok issue. This is in our backyard mm-hmm. in Atlanta. And so um, I know, like, there's, there's different resources. Like, in Atlanta, a big way that you can serve um, and, and keep people from entering um, – you know, that industry is by being a foster parent or mm-hmm. adopting a child that might be at high risk, which is mm-hmm. a lot of teenage girls in America are the most high risk. Mm-hmm. Teenage foster girls are teenage girls in foster care yeah. in America are the most high risk of um, being trafficked and then, you know, later, you know, feeling like they've chosen mm-hmm. sex work. Um, and so I don't know what the situation is, like how, who, who's the biggest risk group for that kind of sure. abuse in Bangkok, but I want to... Um, just help out in any way that I can. Um, and I know, yeah, being a woman with a certain set of skills, I can hopefully help empower others with the same skills mm-hmm. outside of my workplace. Yeah. So that's mm-hmm. something I hope to be able to do. That's yeah. good. There's so much need and um, so much darkness there. Yeah. And um, we're excited uh, for you. Yeah. And uh, sad to le- have you leaving, but yeah. but we're proud to send uh, in, in some sense you there. So, um, <laughs> yeah. Um, Anything else that we can pray for you as you get ready? I mean, visa yeah. stuff, the practical stuff, and um. <laughs> um, yeah, I think like definitely like the visa and all that stuff. That's the practical stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, prayers for I guess just like the biggest one on my heart is my friends in Atlanta who don't know the Lord yet. People mm-hmm. I met in grad school and have been able to. Um, just like engage in gospel conversations over the past almost four years. Yeah. Um, and you know, they're, they're all on their own journeys and they're all learning their own, um, paths and, and hopefully like Jesus has been a big enough part of that so far that he'll continue to be so. But like when I choose to go, I'm leaving a lot behind and and friendships and really trusting God with those, those friendships and those people. Um, and so it's definitely like my biggest desire that those people would have Christians in their lives who are pointing them to Jesus. Mm -hmm. Um, and that they wouldn't become disillusioned with, you know, a lot of what the American church can be seen as from mm-hmm. other cultures' perspectives. Sure. So, yeah. Cool. All right. Well, thank you so much for sitting down with us, for sharing yeah. what's going on. Let me encourage you, if you're listening and you don't know Rachel, or maybe you do, um, she's got a month left here. She might <laughs> take a free meal or two. Um, and so, like, maybe she could experience something of uh, the Ministry of Hospitality in these coming uh, weeks and get to know her maybe more in person yourself. And, um, yeah. and uh, man, we, uh, we're excited. And uh, thanks mm-hmm. for letting us be a very small part of your journey. Well, and, thank you for being yeah. a part of my journey. I mean, I'm so grateful to Generations and, like, everyone here for... Um, showing me like the community that a church can provide because I was looking for that before I came here and I definitely, God just provided that for me through generations. And it's, it means a lot to be able to be sent by a church and not just, you know, following God blindly without any backup (laughs) behind me, you know? Yeah. So we will do, uh, we will commit ourselves, uh, to, to trying to be a faithful support to you prayerfully and, and otherwise, um, and uh, and we'll love to hear updates and all that stuff. Um, and yeah, we're just I'm I'm blown away. Like um, again, just at the way that God's kind of woven your story together and yeah. all the different pieces that He brings together. And to me, what I would love is for all of us 
to have our sense of expectancy mm-hmm. uh, sort of just elevated, you know, of like, yeah. like, look at what God will do if we're just, if we're paying attention, heck, even if we're not paying attention, <laughs> right, not yeah. thinking, right? he's, he's going to do it. Right. And so, <laughs> yes. but just the fact of his at, being at work in all the different things of life, when we have no idea what path he's sort of winding together and, um, and, it, and, and like, even this, like, even this is who knows how long you're in this assignment and, right. and it's part of what's beyond this. Right. Yeah. And so just knowing that he is, um, weaving your story together and we've gotten to be a part of that and we'll continue to try to be a part of that. So yeah. um, thanks so much, Rachel, for joining us. Yeah. Uh, thank you for joining us, everybody who's listening. I uh, yes. hope this was exciting and helpful to you to just know some of what God's doing among us and through the people in our church. And um, may let's be a faithful church that sends out uh, those who are called and supports them faithfully. So.